Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm Aaron Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. Today we're speaking about uh, Guru Dutt's Piazza from 1957, a movie all about poetry and the death of the author. Before we begin, we would like to respectfully acknowledge that we record this podcast on Treaty 6 territory, home to First Nations and Métis people. Matt, I think you want to start things by telling people about our new equipment, so go. <laughs> okay, so you may not know this because you've only ever heard her, but Aaron's a hot hand talker. <laughs> okay. And you're going to get the occasional bonk Yeah. when there's hand talking. Yeah. I also move my head around a lot. And yeah, uh, you did not learn from uh, Gully Boy where you're told to put, like, right. do the kind of the hang loose motion. Yeah. So you're but, making bonks on the table as you're, as you're explaining this. Well, that's the thing, though. Oh. Bonk no more. Uh, maybe. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. So, do you want to explain? Uh, this is the biggest upgrade we've made to our recording equipment since we bought the, the foreskin for the microphone. We've yeah. made some, like, software upgrades, but this is, like... We also have a different computer that we use. Oh, okay. Maybe that is... Is that an equipment upgrade? I guess it is, isn't it? All right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we bought a shock mount mm-hmm. for the uh, microphone. Exciting. Microphone's still going strong, yeah. uh, but uh, this is a device that should eliminate the bonks. Right. Hopefully this sounds cool. I don't know. We'll see. Let us know. Yeah. How many years into this? And anyway. Do you know- <laughs> we still record like amateurs. Yeah. Because uh, we are amateurs. But do you know what also features pretty prominently in the film Piazza, which we're speaking about? today um poetry a microphone oh a microphone uh in two pivotal scenes guru dot has a big microphone in his face yes and he's, that's uh, true he's talking about uh um india and art art for art's sake so you're trying to say that things are related yeah okay it's all related okay so uh we're talking about piazza this is a film that that we wanted to discuss for years mm-hmm. um you know one of the most iconic films in the Bollywood, the Hindi cinema pantheon. Yeah. Um, and when we when we do one of these films, Mother India, Lagan, Sholay, we tend to only talk about the one film. Yeah. Um, so, or at least like that's the focus. Yeah. Any other like references and things, they might come up, but like yeah, it's it gets its own episode. Yeah. Exactly. So we're devoting this whole episode to to Piazza. Uh, And that might also partly be because the idea of researching a whole Guru Dutt episode is extremely daunting, even though he only has like eight films. (laughs) But they're all available on Criterion, I think. Not all of them. Oh, okay. Not all of them. Because we did watch this one on there and got to say... These Criterion people, they know what they're doing. They do know what they're doing. So part of the reason why we're doing this now, because we often time some of those kind of discussions of iconic films to kind of anniversaries or moments within the, the podcast. Yeah. Um, so if, if you've been following along and noticed that, this might come across as a bit random. But it's because the Criterion channel, the streaming service by the Criterion Collection currently has a series, a package out about Guru Dutt. So mm-hmm. they've released The World of Guru Dutt, uh, which is seven films from Guru Dutt, five of which he directed and starred in, Baz, Arpar, Mr. and Mrs. 55, Piazza, of course, and Paper Flowers. In Hindi, Kagaz K. Fool, yeah. uh, 
Yeah, they're using the, the translated title for, for that one, but none of the others. I'm not sure why. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, he And two films that he produced and, and starred in. Um, Chodvin Ka Chan and Sahib Bibi or Ghulam. Uh, the collection also includes an introduction from Mira Nair on Dut. Which we watched. Which we watched. Yes, yeah. it's lovely. And the 1989 three-part television documentary, In Search of Guru Dutt, which I would really like to watch because mm-hmm. uh, I think Guru Dutt is a fascinating figure in, not just in, in Hindi cinema, but in world cinema. And we'd seen him earlier in uh, 12 O'Clock. 12 O'Clock? Along with Johnny Walker, I think. They were kind of... He was a lawyer, and Johnny Walker was like a detective that worked for him. Pretty good. We also um, discussed the first film he directed, Bozzy. Mm-hmm. Great our, movie. Our very first November episode. And to this day, and he and I believe he also produced CID, which we discussed in the yeah, episode. Yeah, love Bozzy. Uh, and for a long time, that was my favorite episode of the podcast we've ever done. I think mm-hmm. it's That's still... That's with Neil Barnholder. Yes. Yeah. I think it's still one of my favorite episodes. And it's a lot of downloads. You guys liked it. And both Bozzy and CID are excellent films. Yeah. Um, but this is his. This is his magnum. So his magnum opus. This is his. It's one of, of his magnum opuses. His opus. He's got lots of opus. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think this is this is the big one. Yeah. Um. So I get. We we are by no means experts in, in debt. <laughs> there has been <laughs> by no means experts in anything really. Uh, there has been a lot written about him over the years, and we've only seen at now two of the films he's directed, um, some other ones he's appeared in and produced. Uh, but that's one of the goals of this podcast is you know for us as as we go about digging into Hindi cinema that that we that we learned about these things and also we didn't want to watch hero panty 2 which you may, <laughs> oh you, may you may make us do down the line so we decided to watch something slightly better slightly better than oh god i i really hope that's the last the first and last time anyone brings up hero panty 2 in a conversation about guru dot <laughs> You, I had to do it. You should be. Ashamed. I really just lowered that limbo, <laughs> limbo stick down a bit. Uh, I am kind of curious to see Nwazin Siddiqui's character. Sure. Okay. You should be ashamed of yourself when we get back to. <laughs> I always am. Good at Piazza. Uh, so the Criterion Channel's uh, feature on him dubs him the Orson Welles of Indian cinema. It's a very like uh, snappy and sort of easy way of encapsulating somebody. It is. And I see what they're doing there. And we talked about this a lot in our episode, Mr. Criterion, where we talk about some other packages the Criterion Channel had made available for their viewers. We should have called it Mr. and Mrs. Criterion. I guess. That's just the name of our uh, (laughs) Apple TV is Mr. Criterion for a reason I don't remember anymore. Is that what we called the episode? Yeah, I think it was. I I think it was. Um, (laughs) So they had released packages similar to this Guru Dutt package on Raj Kapoor and Bim Leroy. So we watched one of each. Mm -hmm. And I I encourage people to listen to that episode if they enjoy this one. But we talked about it in that episode is how uh, Indian cinema and and any any Eastern cinema uh, should not be... It doesn't need... Kind of a Western stamp of approval. It literally does not like need the criteria. <laughs> like criterion means like it 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 it, uh, it has met a certain level of quality. That's that's literally what the word criterion means. Yes. And 
you know, I'm sure when they formed the company back in the 80s and were putting out RoboCop, like it wasn't, it wasn't that sort of that legendary status in film exactly. stuff. Like they were just another company. They could have been called like Best Pictures or something like that. But over the years, it has developed into like a canon. You know, yeah. The way that A24 like the brand almost means more than the individual movies. Yeah, so I think it's important to say that, like... Just because something's not in the Criterion Collection doesn't mean it's bad. And just because well, something's in the Criterion Collection doesn't mean, like, it's it's been discovered, right? Like, they're, exactly. they're just a company that's out to make money. They, they're in Brooklyn, and their job is to find important films, yes, but they also want to make money. Yeah, and I, I, I do want to say that, you know, it's not that Indian cinema or any non-Hollywood cinema, any non-Western cinema... Uh, needs kind of a stamp of approval from a company like Criterion. Like Criterion. Yeah. Um, I don't think that should be a benchmark necessarily of importance. That being said... That being said, we like well-packaged yeah. uh, film discs. Well, they do a, we, such a good job on the restorations we, well, and the and subtitles. We, and we're going to talk about the restoration. Yeah. Uh, we like well-packaged uh, film discs. We like... Good subtitles, beautiful transfers, and yeah. the and Criterion does that. Yeah, and that's so... that's what Criterion does is that they put together like <laughs> the ultimate best package you could ask for. Exactly. Really. Um, in the UK, it's Masters of Cinema. Yeah. In, in in North America, it's Criterion. But there are like other labels that do good work. Yes. Arrow, we really like. Um, Shock Shot Factory, um, and Kino um, Lorber. Kino Lorber, mm-hmm. like. Just because something's... Last year, Marion Bad is an example. Like, that movie has moved between Criterion and Kino Lorber, I believe. So, like, Criterion can lose the license to something. Mm-hmm. And that's why they make these sort of packages, especially for their streaming service. Because they only have access to it for a little while. So, like, there are sort of business concerns behind this. Like, Criterion is only one of many in kind of the mm-hmm. cinema restoration field. I would also put, like vinegar syndrome in there even though they mostly do porno and like exploitation stuff they also just try to make the best product possible Mm -hmm. so like criterion is one of many but they are probably the best one for the the quality of um transfer and everything that they're able to put up they're also connected to janice which is the uh sort of distribution arm yeah archives distribution arm yeah, and if you've seen, like, a restoration of an old French movie at your local art house cinema, it was probably Janice that put it out. Mm-hmm. And that is another way that they make money. So, like, they, they get 4K restorations done, they show them out to art house cinemas, and then Criterion does the home delivery. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that I think is great about Criterion, and one of the reasons why when we see these these films pop up on the Criterion channel or hopefully down the line pop up in disc form Mm -hmm. that we want to discuss them is because Criterion does make things accessible. We talk a lot about the accessibility of Indian cinema, especially classic Indian cinema. For people who don't speak Hindi. For people outside of India who don't speak Hindi. We talk a lot about that on this channel. And while I don't think anyone should see being on the Criterion channel or in the Criterion collection as some sort of marker of prestige or success because again i don't think indian cinema needs kind of 
it doesn't need Western validation. Exactly. It doesn't Even though be. that's the whole premise of our show. <laughs> I don't think that's the whole premise of our I know, show. I know, I know. The premise I, I, of our I, show is us exploring Indian cinema. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Hindi just, cinema. I'm just kidding. But, like, someone who hasn't listened to all 150 episodes <laughs> of our show could fairly easily jump to that conclusion. But I'm, you, listener, you're better than me. I'm that. just saying... Bollywood doesn't need validation from the West. Mm-hmm. However, when the Criterion Channel or the Criterion Collection makes these classic Indian films available, they make them accessible to everyone. Yeah, and they've mostly done and uh, they make Bengali them- stuff, essentially, in the yes. disc form. Because it's mostly uh, Satyajit Rai, so they've done uh, the Apu trilogy and a few others we purchased. Big City, Debbie. Yeah, um, so... That's kind of the extent of their Indian stuff, apart from Monsoon Wedding. They've done Mirinair and the Cloud Cap Star. Yeah. So, like, really, uh, even when you're thinking about different language groups, honestly, they haven't done anything when it comes down to it. It's basically they found one filmmaker and went with it. And we are always championing, uh, we're always championing for a label like Criterion. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be Criterion, to be perfectly honest, to release more Indian cinema to make it more accessible. And yeah. so when they do, we want to talk about it. Well, <laughs> we want like, to acknowledge that. Another thing about Criterion <laughs> is that I, even just having a movie come out on it is essentially a mini event in Western cinema circles. Like there's yes. there's quite a few podcasts that just watch through the Criterion Collection yeah. or give news about stuff coming out. And this can raise a profile of a director and actors in the West. Yeah, And if that's what you want to do, it's the way to do it. I mean, not everyone has that as their goal, obviously, but it can be like a nice side benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think it's important that we reiterate that, you know, we don't think that it's important for Indian cinema to receive Western validation, but we like, we like what Criterion does. We would like them to do more with Indian cinema. Well, like so. think about <laughs> uh, one of my fam- favorite filmmakers, Seijun Suzuki. Mm-hmm. I mean, them putting out Tokyo Drifter and Brandon to Kill. Some of the earliest releases. Yeah, those are in like... Eight and nine? No, I think they're in the 30s, but like... No, I think they're earlier than that. Oh, no, it's John Woo that's earlier than that. Hard-boiled. But like, them being so early on in the collection... As I recall, there was a a screening of uh, Suzuki's work in the early 90s in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And then Criterion picks them up after that. And then like... You get books about them. You get retrospectives, like the one I put on with Brendan Brown. Like mm-hmm. they made access to Seijin Suzuki a lot easier, and then he becomes talked about. Mm-hmm. And then like Arrow comes along and does his Taisho trilogy afterwards. Like it just opens up that filmmaker as someone who can be looked at for future study by people outside of his own country. Mm-hmm. So that's all we want, really. Like. Anytime that this happens, we should celebrate it because hopefully then they'll do it some more. Yeah, exactly. And hopefully we'll get an actual disc collection down the line. Yeah. There's always rumors that Criterion is working on a Bollywood box set, which I think would, I think it would skew 50s. Yes. Uh, That's definitely what they've released so far, apart from all the Rai Bengali stuff. Well, and, and Miranair, but Yeah, but like... All the things on the Criterion Channel yeah. is Gurdot in the 50s and uh, Raj Kapoor. Like, mm-hmm. That's kind of the Similar, area they've yeah. looked at. Like, I would love a Masala collection or something, <laughs> but it doesn't seem like they're going to go down that road. Uh, start your letter writing campaign to Arrow. Yeah. Okay, so, so now that we've kind of discussed, discussed you know, what, what it means 
for for this package of films to be available on the Criterion channel. Let's talk about Piazza. Sure. So it translates to Thirsty or Thirsty One. The Thirsty One, yeah, that's how the subtitles said it. Stars Guru Dutt, Mala Singha, Wahida Raman. And from what I understand, this was Wahida Raman's first film. Mm-hmm. She's great. Raman and Johnny Walker. Our buddy. I love Johnny Anytime Walker. Anytime Johnny Walker shows up in a movie, like it gets a whole star for that. Yeah, love him. It was a big hit at the time of its release and kind of proved that uh, a film with darker subject matter could do well commercially. Well, it's interesting because it's kind of like... Um, the Mindy's that we were seeing even five years ago. Right, right? yeah. Like, Because this sh- is a mainstream film. Yeah, but it's also not like a mythological epic or not like a no. historical epic. It's yeah. basically just about one artist and his, uh, you know, trying to get famous, basically. Yeah. It was at the top of the box office that year. Yeah, so and- it proves that, like, smaller scale stories can get made. Yeah. And it's Dutt's biggest success. It was his biggest success in his entire career. Uh, I do want to note that it came out the same year as Mother India. It was a big year. And I, I, I think of an alternative, an alternative world where maybe India sent Piazza to the Oscars and it got the nomination and it won. Like, obviously, Mother India got the nomination. Yeah. But maybe Piazza could have... Well, could have, could, could have crossed the finish line. Like, this is late 50s U.S., and you're getting things like uh, Rossellini yeah. and what is Godard? Not yet, but Not those yet. kind of precursors to French New Wave guys, yeah. like Melville, what, Bob La Flamber or something? Like, those sort of neorealist movies in Italy mm-hmm. and... You're getting Kurosawa in Japan. Yeah, like, it was kind of a point at which... Uh, You're the US Bergman? Bergman. Like, the U.S. was actually sort of getting interested in foreign films. Yeah. And, like, serious ones. Yeah. What they would consider. Because, like, Mother India, obviously serious. But it has the the dance sequences, song sequences that, you know, we all know and love. But would have been fairly alien to American audiences yeah. at the time. Yeah, Mother India is a, a very different kind of film. And I think we can get into kind of what it means for both of these films to have been released 10 years after partition and what they say yeah. about the nation. Also listen to our episode about it. Yeah. That's very much like a propaganda film, whereas this, I think, is actually the exact opposite. The exact opposite. But I just, I do think of this alternate reality where it crossed the finish line and, and maybe, I don't know, what yeah. how that potentially could have changed Dutt's career. Um, well, it, I mean, this was a huge success, yeah. both in India and... And from what I understand, outside of India, where it was shown. But this is like a quote-unquote art film. Yes. Like, anyone looks at this and they'd be like, oh, this is this is serious. But it was, again, still mainstream. Mm-hmm. And because of the success of this film, he would go on to make um, Kagaz K. Fool, which was a huge flop. And that is that drove him into a depression. And then he eventually died and no one knows if it was an accident or if it was suicide. Mm. And I, I I do want to get to Kagaz K. Fool another time, Paper Flowers. It does flowers. seem like he, this character hits home, close to home for him. He's he's definitely like a sensitive artist. Yeah. Um, because Kagaz K. Fool um, eventually was rediscovered as a cult classic in the 1980s. And so, yeah. Well, yeah. I was told that I should watch it. That's yeah. <laughs> the guy I was talking to at work about yeah. this says I should definitely watch that one. So, If we yeah. have some time to, to kind of dig into more of the films that are available in this 
little package before before Criterion Channel moves on to the next thing because mm-hmm. these things come and go. Yeah. Um, but it's relatively new, so I think it's still here for a little while. Uh, so the film was restored in 2015 and then debuted at the Venice International Film Festival. Um, from what I understand, this was quite a lengthy process to restore this film. It took over four months and it was restored frame by frame. Oh, here we go. I have this in the notes. It took four months to restore the film frame by frame. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess they had the original negative and it was somewhat melted and there was a problem Hmm. with the flicker. So they had to take the print and the original negative and then like go in and frame by frame. But that's what Criterion does. Like, so Giannis No, does. but they didn't do it. Oh, so... so Ultra oh, did. Okay, Ultra yeah, Ultra. did the restoration. This Which has, is nice. So this this restoration, Janice and Criterion haven't touched mm. at all. They didn't yeah, put any was, money was into the it. Ul- there was the big Ultra logo at the beginning. <laughs> and it was nice to see, like, oh, this isn't just something we're watching on YouTube. Yeah. It's nice to see, like, Ultra put some effort into this. And Ultra has said that this is the very first time that an Indian film has been restored like this. Hmm. Interesting. So it's definitely I, better than the Sholay 3D restoration. <laughs> yeah, I'd love if they want to do this to some more. Films, yeah, Ultra, come some on, more do some more. Um, or yeah, the, so yeah. Criterion and Janice, like you know, I think you know we see these beautiful restorations, and obviously they are involved in some of them. Mm-hmm. But it's easy for us to just think Criterion did that this. they did it. Yeah, they didn't. This, yeah. So this this was done for this was done by Ultra for Venice. 2015. You don't, it didn't have the big disclaimer at the beginning, which you often get like, you know, the Berlin Kinematheque to mm-hmm. restore this, or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the French Cinematheque restored this. It was just like ultra logo, like watching on YouTube, and then boom, movie. <laughs> yeah, and it was interesting to see the ultra logo and then like a really pristine film play. Like, mm-hmm. I, I. Nothing against ultra, but like a lot <laughs> of the stuff we watch on YouTube is not in great shape. Yeah. Except it's legally available on mm-hmm. YouTube, um, but it's not of always theirs. yeah or Shimmeru, but not always available in great shape. They're better than tips, though. <laughs> and we 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 watched Dobigazamen on the Criterion Channel as well, and that print is far rougher. That was yeah. in far worse shape. Um, so if if Ultra or someone could step in and also restore that, be great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it looks beautiful. This is. They did an excellent job. Obviously, I've never seen a print of this film before. Yeah, you can't compare it to anything, but it um, looks great. But it, it You've seen great. movies from 1957 before, so... Yeah. Um, Piazza is considered one of the greatest Indian films ever made. Um, it's included on the time list of the top 100 all-time movies. Hmm. Um, and I believe it's somewhere within the sight and sound lists. Yeah. Um, those are, like... Those lists are, are developed very differently. Isn't it every 10 years or something for Sight and Sound? Yeah, and they pull directors and and critics and things. The mm-hmm. uh, the Time 100 list was just done by two guys. Yeah, that's um, what the Time lists always are. It's just like two guys. Yeah, but I will say uh, that the Time Top 100 list uh, does a better job of acknowledging Indian cinema than I see other kind of hmm. similar lists. Um, so it actually has three Indian entries. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at the supplemental lists, uh, it has another one for best soundtrack. So it's the Apu trilogy. So that's actually three films. Three for the price of one. <laughs> um, the Apu trilogy, which is Bengali, Piazza, which is Hindi, and a Mani Ratnam film, 
Nea Khan. I apologize. I probably butchered that. Many mm-hmm. um, right. interesting. Which so I believe is a Tamil film. Something within the last like thirty years yeah. too. And then in the best soundtracks, there's an AR Raman score. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it is a it is a film that um, shows up not just in in conversations about the best Indian films ever made, but it also shows up in conversations about the best films ever made. Yeah. Um, so it's never quite broken like the top ten of that sight and sound poll. Um, Until they ask us. <laughs> that sight and sound poll is. Uh, it's pretty. I love like, whenever fossilized. they. I love whenever they put out a new, a new edition of the sight and sound poll. The moment when Vertigo surpassed Citizen Kane, like that was. Yeah. It was hot stuff going on. It's in probably film. just because a bunch of critics who were alive when Citizen came out just died. Well, did you know this is like totally an aside? But like for a while there, in like the early days of the Sight and Sound poll, they would have like the eight-hour cut of Greed on it. Mm-hmm. How many people have seen the eight-hour cut of Greed? But you know it's important. <laughs> like, yeah, these like in the early days, these critics and filmmakers were just like, ah, yes, the eight-hour cut of Greed. I've heard it's great. I've heard Number it's great. two movie of all time. Like. It doesn't exist. It's a movie that doesn't exist. I mean, yeah. Greed is You can't a- watch it. <laughs> Isn't the current cut like three? Yeah, about that. And it's great. Like, highly recommend Greed. Mm-hmm. That's what people come here for. The hot takes on Stromheim. <laughs> yeah. Stuff from 90 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways. Love the love the Saint Sound Pool. Uh, I, should, I should actually... This is also an aside, but I should dig in one day to see... Um, what the where Indian films are in the rankings on that that'd be that'd be interesting that could be an episode um the the soundtrack's also quite revered showed up on some BFI lists Mm -hmm. um it's composed by S.D. Berman and the performances are from Gita Dutt who is Guru Dutt's wife um Nair talked a bit about their relationship in Mm -hmm. the uh in the in the piece that she filmed for the Criterion Channel and Mohammed Rafi do you think Guru Dutt would have gone ham in the Criterion Closet? <laughs> Just grabbing stuff? Who wouldn't go ham in the Criterion Closet? It's true. I've never seen anyone like, oh, I'll just take one or two. Everyone goes for it. A guy Madden commented that like the first time he did it, he kind of like held back. Second um, time, he's like, a bag. The second time, he just went for it. Okay, yeah. Matt, set up, set up the plot of the film for us. Okay, so Piazza uh, takes place in what have been the modern day, so like yeah. in the 50s. And it's about a uh, struggling poet named Vijay, uh, played by Guru Dutt. And at the beginning of the movie, we see that he's uh, tried to send a manuscript of poetry to, uh, I think it's a Muslim guy who's like a publisher. Um, and he's not interested, and that guy's actually sold uh, the poems for 10 cents a piece as uh, waste paper like not even like <laughs> I can't even use the backs of them for something in the office just like gotta get rid of this stuff uh, VJ is pretty sad about this he finds that a uh, courtesan prostitute girl named Gulabo find out her name later played by Wahida Rahman uh, has actually bought the poems and quite likes them and she kind of sings a one of his poems is a song. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that he wants to be a published poet, but kind of the power of his work is done through song, which makes sense in a movie sense. But I wonder, like, is it like how slam poets these days, maybe they're not taken the same way as someone who writes for the page? 
Because, like, you have to do it for a movie, right? Like, you have to put the songs in, and that's the way you show that this guy's a genius, is that his his poems are actually songs. And Gulabo sings one, but we don't actually see what the inside of the book is like. They're not going to stop the movie and, like, show us page by page. Well, we've seen this, but... Before in Bollywood films, when they have a poet character that their that their poems end up in songs, yeah. like it, 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 we saw that with um, Cabby Cabby. Yeah, um, I think that is kind of it's I the mean, way that you would show it in a movie. It's the way that you would show it in, the, in a in a movie, but also like I think it makes sense within Bollywood where lyrics are so poetic, so there is a strong link in. An Indian song, um, or at least from what we can tell, between poetry and music. Yeah, we've in and it's uh, a it's a way to bring the audience into the poetry and into the meaning and into what he's saying. And yeah. I think like it makes sense, obviously, also for a musical. Yeah, because this film, I would argue, is a musical. Hmm, interesting. I, I think, can see that. I think this one is a musical. It's like a sung musical, yeah. Yeah, in a way that... Well, it's not, it's not like a sung through. Not sung through, but like the musical scenes are usually like diegetic. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, obviously, like, he's not... It's it's not like the movie stops for a music video the way we see in certainly modern Bollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, but people stop and just listen to Guru Dutt sing a song. Yeah, yeah, and and I and the song sequences are moving the plot forward in a way that yeah. is impo- is important to a musical. So I think this film is a musical in a in a way that like I wouldn't ca- categorize all Bollywood as a musical, despite the fact that some people do. Yeah. So then after that, we get a sort of interlude where we see Vijay and his, I guess, girlfriend at the time, uh, Meena mm-hmm. Ghosh, played by Mala Sinha. Um, so he sees her in the modern day, I think, getting out of a car, like she's rich now, and he tries to talk to her, and it's awkward. Mm-hmm. But the, you see back in their student days, like, they were in love with each other, they went on, you know, trips and things, and then, yeah, his sort of, his nature of just wanting to be published and wanting to be an important guy, it kind of got in the way of their relationship. So she actually ends up marrying uh, a publisher named Mr. Ghosh, played by uh, Raymond. And you obviously liked this, of course, that the publisher... Uh, is the villain. ...gets the girl and also, also is very girl. successful. <laughs> yeah. I also really liked his glasses. I thought they looked great. Um, but uh, in the modern day again, uh, Vijay gets a job working for Mr. Ghosh, uh, basically because Mina's like, you know, I like this guy a lot. Um, can you give him a chance? He's, uh, he's tried to get his books published there, too, and it doesn't work. We also get an interlude with uh, Johnny Walker playing Abdul Sattar. And he's like an itinerant head massager. Mir <laughs> uh, Nair talks about these guys, too. It's like, uh, these guys go around massaging people and singing a song, which is basically this song. Like, this song <laughs> essentially revolutionized this uh, industry, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's also friends with VJ. VJ wrote the song that uh, Johnny Walker sings while he goes around trying to get business. Mm-hmm. And essentially, what happens is uh, VJ's poetry gets discovered after something happens to him and he disappears. It's a movie from 1957. You can say what happens. Okay, so uh, VJ, in like a depressive, drunken state, um, walks out onto a railway track after running into a homeless guy who he's given his jacket to. 
And the homeless guy gets his foot stuck in the tracks mm-hmm. and gets run over by a train. And, like, Vijay tries to help him out, but he can't get him out. And everyone thinks that Vijay has died, but he, in fact, he's kind of been, like, struck mute and is in a hospital and then later a mental institution. He has, like, amnesia. And then, in his absence, his poetry becomes very famous. Uh, uh, Mr. Ghosh publishes it and says, like, from the... And who brings in the poetry? It's Gulabo. Uh, Gulabo. Gulabo's... Um, uh, one of the interesting things is, is that Gulabo is just like a fan of Vijay. She actually is in love with him and does not want money. Yeah. Which, unlike everyone else in Vijay's life, apart from uh, Abdul Sattar, like everyone wants a piece of him. He, she just wants his words and ideas to be out there. Yeah. So you know, Ghosh publishes this book. It becomes a huge sensation. He somehow becomes the poet laureate, even though he's yeah, he's the poet laureate, <laughs> um, and like. Uh, Vijay's brothers come out of the mix. They essentially kick them out of their house. His mother's dead. This is another reason why he gets really sad. Is his mother dies and no one even tells him. Mm-hmm. Um, and his buddy from university, who he was flopping with, and who got him drunk, like that guy's like, oh well, I've got a few more poems that he was writing in my house. You should publish those too. So like all of these sort of unsavory characters come out of the woodwork now that the author is famous and important mm-hmm. and most notably not around to defend himself. Yeah. So I got kind of a Ayn Rand vibe from this part. <laughs> like, you know, here's all these parasites who latch onto someone when they went like a great man, like an artist, once right. they become famous. Uh, and are worth something. And only, like, Gulabo is really the only... And Mina, to a uh, certain extent. Like, the two women in his life cared about him and cared about his work, Gulabo especially. But these men come out of the work and are just like, yeah, I was his best friend, and he wrote this poem while sitting on my couch. Mm-hmm. And I Vijay mean- escapes and is able to come back and sort of redeem himself. Or not really redeem himself, but, like, show that he still exists. Yeah, show that he still exists, but also, like, I, I've never read Ayn Rand. Um, Me neither, but, but I, I think she sucks. I, I know kind of the basic idea, but I think kind of what happens after he is able to kind of reclaim his name um, moves away from that sentiment, because by no means do I think Guru Dutt would align himself with no, objectivism. But it is, um, it is that sort of like, here's like an independent person, an artist who's like willing to do whatever it takes and like is completely devoted to their goal and a bunch of other people will just latch on to him. Exactly. But then in the, in the third act... He renounces it. He renounces it. And I think that's really important because he calls out the hypocrisy of... The literary establishment. Of the literary establishment of Indian society. Fan culture. And ultimately says, you know, like, what has happened? Where are the leaders? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be a part of this. And him and, and him and Gulabo leave. Mm-hmm. And so he never actually kind of... Um, he doesn't cash in. He doesn't cash in, and he's never able to appreciate his fame. There's actually a beautiful scene where uh, Mina has... They were doing, like, this big sort of wake, like, one year after Vijay died, and he, you know, miraculously shows up after getting busted out of the mental institution where his brothers and uh, Mr. Ghosh, like, said, oh, we don't know that guy. That's not Vijay. That's an insane guy who thinks he's Vijay. But he shows up, and he sings a song, and he gets the crowd on his side, and then later on he's like, well, actually, I'm not Vijay. Uh, I don't want to be this Vijay that you've built up in your head. I want to be my own man. And Damina sort of confronts him afterwards in a library room where there's just a bunch of paper flying all over the place. 
And she's just like, you got what you wanted. You're famous. Everyone loves your work. And he's like, they don't love me. They just love, like, the idea of me. And, and, and that's, not, that's not what he wanted. He wanted people to listen to his ideas. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. I think we'll take a break there. We're going to mm-hmm. play a bit of a song. Sure. From this iconic soundtrack. Yeah. So we are playing uh, Sarjo Terra Chakra, which is the song that uh, uh, Johnny Walker sings as he goes around trying to drum up business. And it's just a nice song about how getting a head massage is fun. You should do one. And Miranera talks about how much she loved it. So. Yeah. At ATB, we make banking work for you. With expert and practical advice in everyday banking and investment planning expertise and management services with ATB Wealth, you can be confident that you're making smart choices when it comes to your money. We have a history of doing what's right for our clients, especially when times are tough, because ATB was built to help Albertans. For more information, visit ATB.com. CJSR presents High Level Hip Hop. It's a deep dive into Edmonton's hip hop scene and the artists helping shape it. The show takes a unique approach to introducing listeners to the OGs of, and Youngbloods of Edmonton's hip hop scene. The show is aimed at those who love local music, but may not have had a chance to fall in love with the city's surprisingly diverse hip hop scene. Each episode features an interview with a local artist, plus a fresh track they recorded at CJSR. Check out episodes with Arlo Maverick, Please Be Nice, and more throughout the season. High Level Hip Hop is produced by CJSR, Edmonton's campus and community radio station. Download it wherever you find podcasts and at highlevelhiphop.transistor.fm. So that was Sajo Terra Chakra. Um, and yeah, let's actually talk about the movie now. Well, before we get into our analysis of the film, our discussion of the film, mm-hmm. during the break, I looked up where Piazza fell in the sight and sound poll, and I was under the impression it had it had received more votes. I'm a little mm. disappointed to report what I've well, now, discovered. But here's what we're saying, <laughs> that now that it's available easier through the Criterion Collection, possibly some critics will... You know, take it up as a as a cause. Well, I mean, the sight and sound poll is British, but they do poll critics worldwide. Yeah, and there's um, like there's always new critics joining it. So yeah. like people who actually have access to this film might, you know, add it to their their own pantheon. Yeah. Uh, so it came 283rd in the critics poll. What's 282? I don't know because I just can see the film itself. Uh, I nuts. can't actually see like the okay. list. Um, and 322nd in the director's poll. So six critics voted for the film. One is Richard Corliss, who is mm-hmm. the critic who also did the time, one of the critics who did the time list. Makes sense. And another one is Rachel Dwyer, who is a well-known academic um, film critic who writes about Indian cinema. We have one of her books mm. in the other room over there, and I just reread the Piazza entry um, before we sat down to record but like and she a, has like a 100 bollywood films you should watch book she's yeah. i've been reading her writing for years but like we're saying the two directors okay who do you think they are you're now nope are they people i know oh yes okay i need a little bit more of a hint 
And we've discussed both of them on this podcast. We discussed one of them really recently. They're Hindi directors. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Talked about really recently. Kabir Khan? No. Um, It's one of our favorite Bollywood films. Favorite Bollywood films? Well, the film we talked about is one of our favorite Bollywood films. My mind is blank. Is it Ayn Kashyap? That's one of them. Okay. And the other one is Vidud Vinod Chopra. Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> Both of those are good guys. They are good guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Come on, guys. Get on. Get well, on the Piazza train. But that's what we're saying. It's like, <laughs> maybe now that Criterion has access to this beautiful print done by Ultra... Keep in mind. Well, they don't have, like, they have the streaming distribution yes. rights in North America. Yeah. They don't necessarily okay. have what? The... Not the print, whatever. <laughs> You're splitting hairs. What I'm okay. saying is that they've made it easier for yes. people to watch and actually, like, put sort of marketing behind it to say, like, look at this package of movies. Yes. Maybe now some critics and directors are going to watch it and maybe they'll think, oh, yeah, because they hadn't had access before. I hope so. That's kind of what Criterion can do for a film yeah. and for a director is... Um, bring it to an audience that otherwise was probably not going to go looking for it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, obviously, uh, Chopra and Kashyap, they know the int- the importance of Guru Dutt, but some of these critics, you know, they might need to go look for it. Mm-hmm. I am always advocating for raising the profile of Hindi cinema in the kind of world cinema conversation. Yeah, and tastemakers, essentially, is what I'm getting at. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, Martin Scorsese's been doing this for years. Yeah, he's got his World Cinema Project. And things like that can really get these movies into the minds of more people, essentially. And kind of build their stature. Exactly. And, like, it doesn't need the stature to be (laughs) uh, built up in India. But everywhere else it does. Uh, We are starting to repeat ourselves. So let's discuss the film. I want to go back to this... Um, this line, this claim that the Criterion Channel has made with this package, that Guru Dutt is the Orson Welles of Indian cinema. Okay. I think Notice they have, that they no one sim- ever says Orson Welles is the... No, yeah. <laughs> Orson Welles is the Guru Dutt of, of uh, Hollywood. Hollywood. In uh, all fairness, Orson Welles was making his films first. I think they have similar head shapes and kind of similar hair. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're going for the direct... I think, you know, <laughs> genetically similar guys. No, but I, I get they're saying, like... In it's interesting camera work, it's, you know, deep focus photography, and it's that sort of, like... Chiaroscuro lighting. Chiaroscuro lighting, and here's, like, this is an auteur yeah. par excellence, even before the term really became used. Yeah, it's very clear that this film is being made by an auteur. Mm-hmm. It's um, one man's and, vision. And, and like Wells... It is someone who is involved in not just directing their own movies, but starring in them, writing, writing them, them yeah. uh, producing them. And so it has that same kind of singular vision. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say Piazza is as fun as Citizen Kane. Few things are, though. <laughs> Few things are. It's terrific. Yeah. I love they wouldn't have said that as the tagline <laughs> if it wasn't tagline. right. Um, but I, I do say, I do see what, what they're saying with that. Mm-hmm. And also, while I don't know too much about Guru Dutt's life and his work, um, I think there's also a similar 
narrative thread of, you know, not as appreciated as maybe he should have been. Like, he did mm -hmm. have these box office successes, and I haven't gotten the sense that any studios were going in and cutting up his films. Um, Studio system also works completely different over there. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's difficult to compare the two in that sense. Yeah, but you have that same, you know, soul of an artist who, yeah. you know, is... Being laid bare. Yeah, and is and is and is looking for um, for recognition mm -hmm. um, that you do that you do with Wells. Mm -hmm. uh, so so I see what they're saying. I think the the themes of their films are very different. Um, but well, from I don't know. I mean, Kane is all about. I a, guess Kane is somewhat about corruption. Yeah, it's about corruption, and it's about a guy who. Uh, wanted to make his voice known. I mean, he's a newspaper guy. He's not mm -hmm. really a, a writer, but he wanted to be the most important person. And VJ does too, in a sense. He wants his sort of art to be recognized for what it is. So I think there's a few more style. There's stylistic tendencies as well as story tendencies between these two. But a Wells, a Wells hero, you know, like. Like in Citizen Kane and The Lady from Shanghai and Touch of Evil, they are they're corruptible men. Yeah. And VJ isn't. VJ definitely not is not a corruptible man. And I think that's one of the most important that's well, that's one of the most important points of the film is that VJ is a man He's pure. With integrity. He is pure in in a world. Um, he's in Calcutta in a place that is that has become corruptible that that mm -hmm. is corrupt um and he and gulabo and so and so gulabo you know she, her profession should indicate that she's corrupt as well but actually she's well i mean she's the classic hooker with a heart of gold but mm -hmm. you know i think there's there's a line in the film about how no one's ever treated her kindly mm -hmm. and i guess this is potentially based on like a real life interaction. Yeah, that's what I read too. That Dot had with a prostitute where mm -hmm. she had said that no one ever treated her. Like it's just it's heartbreaking. But not surprising. But not surprising, no. But 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 Gulabo, like VJ, you know, is is pure in an environment that that's that's not that's not for them, really. It's also 10 years of independence. What has it gotten us? Exactly. Okay. So so I guess we can we can get to that now. So there's there's a song in the film, Jinhen Na's High Hind Par, which translates to, and I, I believe it was Rachel Dwyer who gave me this translation, Where Are the Protectors of India? And it calls out the hypocrisy and corruption in India 10 years after partition. Yeah. Um, and the, I, the English are gone, and really, what have our leaders done for us? Yes, the promise of this new country that we were going to build, um, you know, this this Indian state, look around, what has it become? Like, have we actually, have, have we built this? Like, Polar our opposite leaders, of Mother India. Exactly, and that's what I find really fascinating. Yeah. Is 10 years Mother India that, shows that like it was difficult, and a lot of people died, and it was tough going, but hey, we, we have this irrigation project now. We all made a big uh, like Indian state out of our dancing. There's a tractor. Like, we're getting there. Yeah. Whereas this is saying, like, 
we didn't get anywhere. We're still in the same rut we were in. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, like so Mother India is extremely optimistic about the project that is the Indian state. Mm-hmm. You know, that that film is an allegory for nation building. It is about the mother that they have built up and they have saved yeah, from... Yeah, like the Marianne in France. <laughs> yeah, know? and saved from uh, much hardship and 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 now we've we've come together. Mm-hmm. We've worked hard and, and we have our India. In this, you can work hard all your life and no one cares till you're dead. The Piazza is... This is the pessimistic take. This is such a biting criticism. and And it's so interesting to me that these films came out in the same year that they mm-hmm. that we continue to watch them and discuss them and they have such different viewpoints about the country that they are about yep uh i yeah it's it's a it's such a stark contrast to me i i didn't i hadn't realized when we were watching piazza that that's the same year as mother india mm-hmm. and just like <laughs> like kind of floors me like that's intense yeah and these are kind of like the two marquee films coming out of the country Mm -hmm. like two drastically different images um i suggested we call this episode death of the author but i (laughs) don't actually know if barta had made that theory up yet let me check (laughs) okay sure yeah uh so roland bart's uh death of the author guess when that uh, essay came out you're going to tell me it's 57, aren't you? Guess. 57? 67. Oh, okay. This predates it. Yeah. So... Well, this isn't really about death and the author. You're just saying that because it's a cute joke. Yeah, but also... No, it is. Because... Okay. Um, because... So the, the theory of death of the author is that uh, you can't rely on what you know about the author to interpret a text. Yeah. Like, for instance, just because Shakespeare willed his second best bed to his wife or something like you can't really look at that and be like oh well this explains hamlet yeah like, you don't mean uh, it's not about analyzing the author's biography to analyze their work yeah and what happened to this movie vj a poet who is unloved in his time yeah. dies and everyone then ever, thinks he's dead everyone everyone thinks like oh we lost such a hero and he speaks to us so clearly but, like, they're just reading into it, like, this is actually Death of the Author put into action because sure. he's not present around, he's not present to defend himself. And in fact, the publisher and his family have actively excluded him from the conversation. Mm-hmm. So, what I'm saying is that this invented Death of the Author. <laughs> this invented Death of the Author. Yeah. So, Roland Bard, actually, huge ripoff artist who just stole it from Google. <laughs> Bar- Sure. You heard it here, folks. Sure. But, like, I I think there's something to that. Because we... Okay. Cards on the table here. I know a lot of authors. Yeah. And And you know a lot of poets. I know a lot of poets. And you can't really look at their lives and try and guess what they're... Like, it's not a puzzle, Yeah. the literature. Like, someone just thinks up a story, thinks up a poem, and then it is up to you to interpret... What it means to you. Yeah. You can... The author may have a completely different intention, but realistically, it doesn't it, matter. Exactly. That, so that's, like, a, I think a big part of the idea of Death of the Author is to stop trying to understand or to... To stop trying to understand the author intention or um, the, author in, the author's intention being 
the only end, interpretation. Yeah, the only yeah. interpretation or the it's not a puzzle the box. End saying what it's about, and because yeah. like if you believe, if you don't believe in death of the author, then misery is about what addiction. Yeah. Oh no, Cujo was about addiction. Cujo, the yeah. So Aaron's talking about Stephen King, who wrote Cujo. Yeah. Supposedly so high on cocaine, he does not remember <laughs> writing it. No, I think, uh, yeah, I think Misery, he said, is, is about cocaine, that Annie is yeah. cocaine, and not... Cujo's the one that he does not remember yeah. doing. And not all the other things that, that yeah. Misery is clearly about. Yeah, like, it's... Yeah. And, it's and a, I think it's even... It's a useful framework. Bradbury has said that Fahrenheit 451 is not about censorship. Yeah, it's actually about how TV is making us <laughs> stupider. Yeah, so... I, I like, mean, a lot of the time... That's author, in there, but... Authors don't always understand exactly what they're letting out of the bottle. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, I see, I see your point in that, you know, VJ realizes that he his work becomes divorced from him. Exactly, and he is a figure, and he abandons, he abandons it. He does abandon it, but he abandons it not because you know it is touch people and become important, and he doesn't want to take away from their own interpretation of it. He abandons it because. It's become commercialized and corrupt. And it's so been I stolen. Guess it's been stolen from him. It's been stolen from him. And so I guess one of one of the one of my only criticisms of this film is that VJ is incorruptible and kind of boring for the first half. No, it's just the way in which I do think it upholds this idea of the kind of the penniless artist. Yeah. This idea that they're more they're more worthwhile. Yeah, this idea that artists need to struggle, uh, suffer, suffer in order to make good work. This idea that if artists are commercially successful, they sell out. Now, I don't necessarily know, um, you know, how cemented that stereotype and that idea was in India in 1957. Like, obviously, this is after. Lab OM, mm-hmm. um, which I think is one of the texts that really kind of <laughs> cements that idea. Um, I mean, all that, all that Parisian stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but so that's kind of my only criticism of it, but I don't actually really think that's a problem with the film itself. It's just my hatred it's, it's of that trope. stereotype. Yeah. My, and, and, and I hate that stereotype because artists deserve to be paid. Yeah. And, I don't like the idea that artists, good artists, um, have to struggle financially. And actually get ripped off, and that's fine. Yeah, and I don't think the film is arguing that, because I think the film... No, the film's on VJ's side. The film is clearly on VJ's side, and I think the the film sees it as liberating when when he says, you know, "I'm, I'm not going to be taken advantage of, and I'm not going to be a part of this system. You know, he's, yeah. I mean, he's really, you can't the, trust the system. He's really the original Taylor Swift. He's man. also, <laughs> uh, the guy who, uh, um, throws things on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Because you can't trust the system. You can't trust the system. That's a lonely Island reference reference. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty deep, that's a, that's a deep cut for us. Yeah. We'll put it in the show. Notes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. You can't trust the system. Yeah. I, I, I really loved this movie. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's, beautiful it's moving the performances we should talk about these performances yeah um so i guess dilip kumar didn't want to play uh vj because it was too similar to dev das see that's what i was thinking (laughs) i was watching this like when vj is getting drunk in kind of the middle of the movie i was thinking 
did Rudolph play Deaf Dots? And we looked it up, and yeah, it was Dil Kumar, obviously. Yeah, Demo Because we haven't actually seen the 50s Deaf Dots. We've tried to. <laughs> yeah, that's that's when we do want to watch at some point, but like, he could have crushed it as Deaf Dots. He would have been, been excellent. Yeah. It's a sad drunk guy. He did a good job. Yeah. Uh, and I think like kind of I, I like that sequence when you're seeing kind of all the all the glasses mm-hmm. um, and just kind of the way he like uses kind of the uh, the foggyness of those of those glasses. He uses a of lot of well, he talked about the performances. But He's he a is, visual storyteller. He does a lot of interesting sort of dolly shots. Oh god, the dolly like, shots! He, oh, at that party, the dolly shots at yeah. the party. I loved them. It reminded me of. Uh, uh, I guess wings, but also um, mm, that's an amazing shot in wings. Star Wars: The Last Jedi, where you have a a um, camera flying through an environment with a bunch of people. It's not quite flying through; it's just kind of like it's lingering. Yeah, it just kind of slowly. It yeah. doesn't really. It's not like a dynamic camera that's like moving through the party like this long shot. It's just like it's a dolly shot where it just kind of goes into one person and just. I think the way that, like, the song and what they're saying in the song, it just kind of, I don't know, like, he, it's, it's subtle. But he also, uh, there's a scene where, uh, I think it's Gulabo, is running around at night and there's these columns and yeah. the, the camera is on a dolly kind of following her running through the columns. There's another part where Johnny Walker is walking around. It's always very misty in this yeah. film. And rather than like having it so you could see Johnny Walker like in full form, it's more like you're kind of behind planters and like yeah. the plants are coming in the way. He's always finding really interesting places to put the camera and doing like lots of tracking shots and zooms. And, well, I don't know if it was zooms, but it would be like just moving the camera in such a way. Yeah. Lots of close-ups. There's lots of VJ with the microphone, I was, as I was saying. I think that's kind of Wellsian too, just like a super close-up. And it's always in service of the narrative. It's yeah. It's not... And I, I don't think any of it really It's comes, not showy for no reason. Yeah, and, and it, it, yeah, it never comes across as flashy. It comes across as, dare I say, poetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Walker. I love Johnny Walker. Anytime we see Johnny Walker, uh, he always plays the most lovable character. Mm-hmm. Um, and Even he when just, he's a kind of sleazy detective. You're always, you're always rooting for Johnny you're Walker. always rooting for Johnny Walker. And he just... He has a face. Yeah. Like, he just... He has one of the greatest faces in cinema. Mm-hmm. And I think you immediately... Like, all you do is see that face, and you kind of immediately empathize with him. Like, yeah. he just... Yeah, and in this I one, know, like he's often like the comic relief, but I think he like really elevates everything he's in. Yeah, he's. Uh, this is like one of his classic. Not it's almost Shakespearean, where there's like a not a simpleton, but like yeah. a lower status person who kind of shows the other people the morally correct thing to do. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah. Um. I also want to talk. Do you have anything else to say about the performances? Wahida um, Rahman, I think, was uh, fantastic, and uh, she young version of her looks so much like Deepika Padukone. It's yes. like uncanny. Yes. And I also know. thought if we're if we're fan casting a remake or you know fan casting the life of Guru Dutt, it's such a shame that we never got to see Irfan Khan play Guru Dutt in a film because oh god, just like visually and also I think that he could have. Uh, he has that soul. Yeah, he's got the soulful eyes, and I think he could have nailed the sort of world weariness that you see in Dutt. Yeah. So yeah, 
I don't know if it was in the cards. Probably not. But it would have been it would have been great if they'd done a movie, you know, a biopic or yeah. something. Like he would he would have crushed it at that role. Yeah. So the majority of this film is kind of set in you know the the gritty streets of Calcutta and the gritty streets of the publishing world. But there is one scene that functions um, kind of as like a dream sequence, like a. This is him and Mina, I think. Yes, it's. No, it's him and Gulabo. It's it's Gulabo. Is this when Gulabo is watching him smoke and like she's imagining this whole life together and he's just like, man, I'm sad. Yeah, and they're kind of running around like the clouds and stuff. Yeah. Um, I I think we both had the same reaction of, did Om Shanti Om reference this? Yeah, gotta be. (laughs) Yeah, like it, it, like it's gotta be. It's 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 kind of this. This fantastical scene. Gauzy. Yeah, that's yeah. a bit of a, where they're dancing and like there's yeah. clouds and things. And it feels like a bit of a... He's wearing much nicer clothes. Yeah. He's not dressed like a bum. It's this relief of like what could be. And I like I like how he uses that juxtaposition of like the glossy musical sequence. If you see um, Moulin Rouge, they do a similar thing there with... Um, uh, Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor when they're like also big falling in love dancing big reference to Gurudad and Merlin Rouge <laughs> I'm just trying to describe know, it I, for I people I feel like that's a movie people have seen although people have probably also seen um, Chantillon this would be yeah. like if they're when, listening to this podcast they 100% have seen more <laughs> this Chantillon. is when Shara Khan and Topeka Patagon are like going on their date and they're like they immer- like they're in the snow globe and then yeah. they're dancing around anyways wonderful scene uh, I wonder if that's a reference I think, to, it, I think it is to Piazza it would make sense that it is I mean, Farrah Khan definitely knows yeah there's a reference to, to Mother India in Piazza obviously in sorry there is a reference to Mother India in Om Shanti Om, obviously. Like, we are still uncovering the references in Om yeah. Shanti Om. It's kind um, of the urtext for the podcast, really. Yeah. Like, we watched it definitely too early, but also at the perfect time. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's one of our favorite Bollywood movies, so we return to it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think this is a... It, it's a great sequence. It It's a good juxtaposition. I think that's what it's doing there. Yeah. Uh, Good movie. I really, yeah. I think it's a beautiful film. Check it out. I think there's a a reason why this is considered one of the greatest films ever made. Yeah, it's funny when, you know, (laughs) the critics were right. Yeah, isn't that nice that we can just, like, check off that little box and now be really smug at parties? So, we, that's the end of this episode. I forgot how we end these things. Uh, We'll be back in two weeks, but we're going to be discussing Matt. You have found the most specific <laughs> genre of films, and I think you found what three? Yeah. In this genre, we're, we're usually trying to discuss three films. We don't yeah. Um, so this is going to be uh, movies having to do with covering up car crashes in which someone died. Yeah, they're they're films about the aftermath of fatal car crashes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I know you've all been waiting to see And, and we're some. not talking about the White Tiger. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's uh, Jalsa, Talash, and Shaitan. Yeah. Um, so, we've seen Talash before. Talash is the one I heroically yeah. Tal- figure, figured, out the, figured out the twist like 10 minutes in. Talash is a very iconic film in this household. Um, but Jalsa's a new film with Video Balan that's on Amazon Prime. And Shaitan, we've never seen it, but no, it's a big Her cult good. film. Yeah. It's on Netflix. Uh, in the meantime, Matt, how can people keep up the show? At Bollywood Pod, at Matt underscore B O W E S, at Aaron E. Fraser, uh, Bollywood is for lovers.com or dot com, Facebook.com slash Bollywood is for lovers. 
If you're I a, think that's all of them. If you're a fan of the show, please consider leaving us a star rating it's been so and long. a review. Our children are starving um, for reviews. Maybe let us know if you do that so we can rate it out on air and give you some biffle points. Uh, you can also check out my other show that I do with Paul Matt, which I call Trash on the Movies. You just watched two other movies on the Time 100 list of best films of all time. What were they? Did I? City Slickers. Oh, God. <laughs> no. Um, no. <laughs> no, we just recorded an episode about um, green card marriage films. Yeah. Uh, so the proposal. We talked the about the proposal and Ang Lee's The Wedding Banquet. Yeah. Uh, we also want to thank Becca Dalkey for our artwork. Mm-hmm. And Tuffy. Yeah, we always thank Tuffy. For being a good guy. Yeah. Anyway. Watch Piazza. <laughs> just at the episode.